we're getting started on a series called Ancient Wisdom for a New Year. And uh, I have noticed there are a lot of ways to say, watch your step. Uh, You can say, um, tread lightly, watch where you're going, look before you leap, look before you leap, Um, watch yourself, take care. I actually went to a website and found 162 ways to say, watch your step. So, which, it's amazing to me we aren't all going like, like this the whole time, you know. Why? Careful! Uh, I want to challenge that, that wisdom, and say, don't watch your step. Don't watch your step. Um, there are times that we cannot know where we're going. We, we, don't, we, we don't know what's ahead, and in fact, we never know what's ahead. Uh, we, we can't for sure know. Moses didn't know. When he went into the Pharaoh's office, you know, throne room, and said, let my people go, Moses had no idea what that would do for him or his people. Um, When uh, Rahab, uh, an innkeeper in Jericho, uh, uh, she welcomed the Israelite spies into her place. She had no idea what that would do in her life. Uh, If they had been watching their step, history would have been written very differently. So I want to challenge us to uh, don't watch our step. We can't anticipate every possibility, especially when we're trying to do something new, especially when we are growing, because it's never a familiar road that leads somewhere new. It's never a familiar road that leads somewhere new. Um, We have to go down new roads if we're going to go to new places. And we're starting this series... um, I've called in our associate pastors, Pastor Cynthia and Pastor Jonathan will be preaching, and uh, a couple of other pastors from the uh, area are going to be preaching because I'm going to be gone for six weeks. Uh, I have surgery tomorrow, uh, double knee replacement surgery. So that's why I'm not shaking hands and I'm not uh, fist bumping even. I'm not going to hug. It's not because I don't like you. Uh, uh, but I don't want to get you sick, and I definitely don't want to get sick because if I'm sick tomorrow morning, uh, they'll cancel my uh, surgery. And then what am I going to do for six weeks? So, um, so that's what I'm doing. And uh, you might say to me, well, Neil, you should, of all people, should watch your step. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Uh, we want to look at ways uh, that the ancient wisdom of Scripture gives us new wisdom for a, a new year. And, and I want to look at three modern takes on three ancient pieces of wisdom. And I'm going to me- recommend you don't watch your step, but instead keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the goal. I like this picture of, uh, of a waitress with a, a tray on her hand. Uh, who knows how much stuff is on top of that? Uh, empty glasses, full glasses, plates, and she's paying no attention to it whatsoever. She's just got her eye forward and she's walking straight ahead. And that is a great image of don't watch your step, but keep your eye on the goal. So the verse uh, for this comes from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the perfecter, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I think this uh, picture of the waitress like this is a great uh, image for us about keep your eye on the goal. Uh, I knew a waitress, and uh, she told me the secret of carrying all those drinks, either like that or like this, you know, the plates and everything like this. It's, it, you, it is not intuitive. We wouldn't know it. Children don't do it this way. You ever watch a kid carry a full glass uh, of water or, or drink or something? How do they do it? They, they stare at the drink, and, you know, they do this. And we do too, right? We have a cup of coffee, and we're walking so gently and carefully. You don't do that. That's a mistake. Because what you'll do is, without even knowing it, overcompensate, and, and you're going to spill. The waitress says, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Look at where you're going, and the drinks and everything will take care of themselves. What a great metaphor for life. Don't look at it. Don't pay attention to what's right in front of you. Look for the goal. Pay attention to that. Head in that direction. And all this stuff's going to take care of itself. Uh, which sounds an awful lot like a scripture we'll get to in a minute. Um, uh, the advice that we receive from the author of Hebrews uses the same strategy to get our eyes off of our immediate situation and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So instead of looking at our circumstances and, and just asking God, help me now, help me what I'm doing right now in my situation, my challenges, my problems, instead to say, Lord, where are you? Where are you in all of this? And would you help lead me to where you are? Instead of saying, God, help me where I am, say, Lord, show me where you are and let me head in that direction. Get our eyes off the full glass right in front of us. Uh, which is not to say we're to wander around aimlessly, you know, uh, with no plans, no goals, you ever talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, wh how are you doing? What are you planning for the new year? Oh, I got no plans. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to sit right here and wait until God leads me. Uh, those aren't the people we want to hang with, right? I mean, you know, the kind of person I'm just waiting for the Lord to show. Uh, that's not my recommendation. We have to plan. We have to set goals. We have to, we have to look forward uh, on our own, but also with Christ in mind. What's the end goal? What's the, what, is, what does success look like? Uh, yes, have our plans, but hold them lightly in anticipation of God changing them. Um, as we make plans for the new year, do we have any awareness of God's direction? Do you have an idea of what God is doing in your life? If I, if I asked you, what's one word that you would use for what God's doing in your life in 2020, would you have one? Now, probably not, just you know, right off the top of your uh, tongue, but, but if you thought about it, where, what's God doing? Where is he leading? Um, or are we adopting someone else's standards for success? Are we following just our financial planner's direction? Or... The advertisers. Advertisers are very happy to give us goals. They will tell us what success looks like. Uh, they will tell us that we should wear James, Bond, James Bond's watch, right? And uh, we should drive Christian Bale's car because he's in an ad now. And wear Charlene Theron's uh, perfume. Wow, there's some amazing ads out there for, you know, this is what success looks like. If we're not keeping our 
eyes fixed on Jesus, we might begin to fix our eyes on something else uh, that isn't necessarily the same direction Jesus is going. We have to choose what's our standard, what's our goal, what are we fixing our eyes on? Jesus told the crowd, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear, but instead focus on my kingdom first, and all these things will be added to you. We might say, don't worry about how you'll tell time or what you'll drive, or probably we should worry about how we'll smell, but not to the same extent that Charlize Theron was worried about it. Our text tells us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a race. We're in it. And it's marked out for us. There's, there's, there's boundaries for us that we can run in. Which is not to say uh, that I don't like a good watch. And it's also not to say that this is a good watch. This is a cheap, cheap watch, but it's waterproof. Um, uh, and um, most of us need a car to drive. And uh, we pay attention to the kind of car we buy or lease, you know, all of that. And thankfully, most of us want to smell okay. Um, so it's a mistake to interpret these verses to mean uh, we u- universally just do away with Don't worry about anything on the planet. Don't worry about anything human. Just be spiritual. Well, that's a whole other thing. They, you, there were people that would do that, and they called them heretics. It's not a good thing to say, oh, I'm only focused on Jesus, just the spiritual. No, no, we have all these other needs. Um, uh, but what does Jesus tell us to do with them? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Point number two, pay attention to what's most important. Pay attention to what's most important. I like this image of a person. uh, This looks like New York to me. Um, it's, It's this image of somebody with so many options. There's so much going on. Look at how many choices, how many decisions, how many ways they could go. We have dozens, hundreds of options. Uh, We were talking about Disney Plus. Just Disney Plus has hundreds of things we could watch. And then, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's so many places we could go. In one block, that person could choose any number of things. Wow. How do we prioritize? Well, we have to pay attention to what's most important. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. You know, sometimes we read a verse and we go, that probably is true. I don't exactly know what it means, though. This one we know, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of, uh, of its own. Just worry about today. And we all go, amen. I mean, oh my gosh. All I got is I got enough on my plate right now. But this image of this person in New York, it's a great visual representation of the many options and situations and decisions that we face every day. At any moment uh, in our lives, like I say, we face dozens if not hundreds of choices, decisions, And we need to prioritize and pay attention to what's most important. It doesn't mean don't do these things. When Jesus said, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear or how you'll tell time or what you'll drive, he didn't say, don't drive, don't tell time, don't eat, 
don't wear anything. He didn't say don't do those. He just said um, don't worry about all of that stuff. All that stuff's going to get taken care of if we focus our attention on Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus first. Um, we we need to adjust our priorities. And I, I speak as one who knows. I had to readjust my priorities. I was a fundraiser, so I worked with major donors, uh, people who gave large amounts of money. And this was long before I was a pastor, but I went to church, and I found myself deciding who to sit next to based on what kind of watch they wore. Yikes! I really thought... Uh, you know what, I want to I spend my time wisely. I'm going to sit next to people with really expensive watches and get to know them because they could become potential donors. Well, I needed a readjustment, right? I don't want to be that person. You wouldn't want to meet that Neil. That, that, I was like, yikes! That is not putting first what's most important, paying attention to what's, what's most important. I needed to say, Lord, who do you want me to sit next to? Who can I make, what, who, whose life can I make a difference in? Who, you know, anyway, I haven't paid attention to watches for a long time. Um, and, and to be clear, I have never owned James Bond's watch. And uh, the fanciest car I've ever driven is the Prius that's out in the parking lot right now. Uh, and... Uh, I do wear cologne occasionally, but not Axe body spray, I'll say that. Um, uh, but I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm doing what God has called me to do. I feel like I'm fulfilling a purpose on earth. It's the, it's, I wouldn't change anything. I love what I'm, what, how I'm living. And, and guess what? All these things, for 20-something years, all these things have been added to me. Uh, as, I, as I try, as we try to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Um, tomorrow is going to worry enough about itself. Um, and as we begin a new year and a new sermon series, ancient wisdom encourages us to keep our eyes on the goal and to pay attention to what's most important. But I want to go back to that, the, the title, Don't Watch Your Step. And I wonder if all of us go, would agree. I mean, maybe we'd say, eh, I can see keeping my eye on the goal, and I can see paying attention to what's most important. But really, uh, don't watch my step. I feel like i got to kind of pay attention to what's going on around me. Um, and listen to me talking. You know, I, I'm having my knees replaced. I should watch my step. Um, after all, who wants to fall, right? Which brings us to point number three. Falling is the first step. In getting up. Falling is the first step in getting up. Now in this picture, I am pretty sure there is a snowboard just off the picture, right? Somebody cropped this. To, he lost his snowboard. And, and, uh, but he's taken a fall. And guess what? He's got to get up again. That's a very human thing. Falling is the first step to getting up. Psalm 37 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with His hand. Hmm. Okay, so my point is, falling is the first step in getting up, but the verse says, uh, He will not fall. Uh, he may stumble, but He will not fall. How do those two go together? 
Well, I'm just going to tell you, this is the New International Version, and it's a little gentle for what the original Hebrew said. If you go to the King James or you go to the New American Standard, here's what it says. When he falls, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Oh, whew, thank goodness for that. Uh, it's not if, it's when. Um, and, uh, and, but it continues, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Praise the Lord. To be clear, the word here for fall does not mean falling into sin or wrongdoing. It means uh, falling into misfortune, disappointment, setbacks, calamities, and that we would all go, oh yeah, that happens. Those we know, right? Those things happen. Um, It's better to have assurance of God's presence when those things happen than false confidence that they aren't going to happen. Praying that we don't have calamities isn't going to stop it from happening. But trusting that God will be with us in the midst of it, that's good. Um, In this life we fall. It must be true because so many people talk about it. I have found so many quotes on falling and getting up. Do you know what there aren't quotes about? Falling. There's no famous people who fell and didn't get back up. But oh my gosh, the people who fell and got back up. I couldn't even give a, get a favorite, so I've got three. Even the knowledge of my own fallibility cannot keep me from making mistakes. Only when I fall do I get up again. Vincent van Gogh. The greatest story, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Nelson Mandela. And the most beautiful people I've known are those who have known trials, have known struggles, have known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. We fall. It's not the fall that makes us stronger, that teaches us lessons. It's the getting back up that does. So what does falling and getting back up look like for Christians? Uh, There's a great verse in uh, 2 Corinthians. So there's a church in Corinth, a Greek city, filled with Christians who are just facing a lot of challenges. And Paul, who was uh, an apostle, he wrote much of the uh, New Testament, he was a pastor to that church, and he wrote to them, and he spoke on their behalf, and he said this. This is what falling and getting up looks like for a Christian. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Why? We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. There's a reality that we admit that death is real, that even Jesus had to die. And we carry that in us knowing that through our life He can be displayed. And there's so much that can be said about risk-taking and getting back up. So ancient wisdom from the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes says this, two people are better than one because together they have a good reward for their hard work. And if one falls, the other can help his friend up. But how tragic is it for the one who is all alone when he falls? That's, that's one of the reasons why we say, get into a growth group. Don't do this on your own. Uh, Get together with a group of people and study together and share life together. Uh, So I say there are many things we could say about falling and getting up, but I want to focus on just one area, 
that's related to the fear of falling that stops us dead in our tracks. It, makes, it gets us stuck where we are. And it's easy to not notice this about ourselves. This may be true to some extent for some or all of us, and we just, we're not really aware of it. And it's this, um, we live in the past or the future more than in the present. You ever heard that concept that a, a lot of us live in the past or we live in the future? Um, we, get stuck in, we get stuck in the present when we dwell on the past or we worry about the future. Uh, and Jesus knows something about this that we may not realize. God can only bless us in the present. He can only bless us now. We can't look back and pray for the past and ask God to bless the past. And God can't bless us in the future either. Because you know if he blesses us at some point in the future, what will it be? Our present. <laughs> Leave that alone. When we get there, we'll pray for God's blessing then, but it'll be the present. God can't bless us in the past or in the future. Just now. Just in the now. Um, did Jesus know that there were going to be challenges in his future? Absolutely. He knew that one of his own followers would betray him. He knew that the religious leaders would turn on him. Um, uh, he knew that he would die young and that his mom was going to need some help. He was, she was going to need somebody to look after her. And he also knew that he had 12 followers that he was hoping to hand the whole thing off to, his whole world-changing uh, faith. And these 12 men uh, who were supposed to lead with humility all they ever complained about was who was greatest. He had troubles coming, and, and yet he said, I'm not going to worry about the future. I'm going to see God bless me in the present. Um, but it's easy to focus on those two places, the future, the past. You know, investment companies and insurance companies, they want us to focus on the future. 401Ks, life insurance, all those kinds of things. Um, how about vacations, college education, all of these things for our kids. All of these things are important, um, and people focus on them in all sorts of ways. A friend of mine had a, fr had a mom who focused on the future. Uh, she wouldn't have said that, but when he saw what was going on in her life, she was like, he was like, oh, mom, you've got to do something. She was addicted to the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. Anybody remember that? If you don't know what the Publisher's Clearinghouse sweepstakes was, um, Publisher's Clearinghouse was a, a magazine company that got into selling all kinds of things, and they had uh, their marketing strategy was to mail every house in America, it seemed, uh, uh, this packet. And, it, and I don't know, I mean, it came out a lot. I don't know how many times a year they were having a, a sweepstakes, and you could win a gajillion dollars. And my mom would get that, and she'd throw it away, and I'd grab it, and I'd, I'd, I'd open it, and I, I licked every stamp. I put every sticker on. I even checked the box on how I wanted the money sent to me, whether it was monthly or annually, for the rest of my life. I was like, yes! And then, you know, there's always the if you win. So I didn't. Um, but uh, but one, what's the one thing I never did? Never ordered anything. Because what does it say on practically every page? Uh, no purchase necessary. You don't have to 
Uh, and it also says, your chances won't increase with a purchase. Well, my friend's mom didn't believe that. She thought, you know what, I'll bet you if I buy stuff, I have a better chance of winning. But she had a strategy. She only bought collectibles that would be worth more in the future. And my friend found, realized she had a problem when he got to her house and found unopened boxes in every room of collectible plates and coins and figurines that were going to be worth so much more someday. Time Life Record series, right? You know how much those are worth now. I mean, it's amazing how much. So, uh, so she said, I am investing in the future. Uh, and I could win. And she never won. And I'm pretty sure her son had to get rid of all of those collectible things. She spent thousands of dollars, really, on the future. We get stuck. Um, you may not be the kind of person who worries about the future. That's great. But do you fret about the past? About what might have been? About if only? I have an, I have an if only. And it's not even mine. It's my dad's. If only my dad, before I was born, back in the 50s, if my dad uh, had a friend uh, he worked with, and the friend needed a loan. My dad loaned him, like, I don't know, several hundred dollars, not a tremendous amount. But my friend went to my dad. My dad's friend went to him and said, listen, um, rather than pay you back, I'd like to give you a piece of land. And uh, my dad said, well, I don't know, but you know what? I'll go look at it. Well, it was in the hills, uh, and it was, it was like 10 feet of flat land, and the rest was a cliff. And my dad said, who in the world could build here? I mean, this is worthless in Bel Air. <laughs> Mount Olympus, actually, but it's next door to Bel Air. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if only my dad had taken the land. He took the $100. That, I, checked, I checked Zillow. Empty land like he had the chance to get is worth 3 to $5 million today just for empty land. If only I could have lived in Bel Air. But God's never going to bless me or meet my needs in the past. It doesn't help to say, if only I had, you know, if, if only I had gotten up way back then when I fell. If only I hadn't fallen. No, that's the past. Let it go. God's going to bless us in the present. Sure, there may come a day when, uh, when, when, when we have better skills when we're older or, well, or have more money or better educated. And, you know, someday in the future, we're going to be able to do something more. But, and one of and those days will come and we'll be better educated. We'll have more money. We'll have more time. But don't worry about that. What does Jesus say? Focus on now. Focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. We can ask ourselves, or if we're brave enough, ask somebody who knows us well, do I focus a lot on the past or on the future? And maybe in 2020, we could bring ourselves a little bit more to the present. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So I have a next step for you. First one of the new year. 
Uh, it just goes like this. Write down three people or three things that are most important to you this year. And carry that note in your purse or your wallet. Just write down three things or three people, three situations that are most important to you. Um, that God lays on your heart. Maybe you won't do it right now, but sometime this week. Lord, what are the three things I need to really keep at the front of my thought? And just put them in your pocket, in your wallet, in your purse. So in 2020, don't watch your steps so closely. Keep your eyes on the goal. Pay attention to what and to who is most important. And remember that falling is just the first step in getting up. Ancient wisdom for a new.